Emily. I'm Molly. And you're listening to Stupid Genius. Stupid Genius. I want to hear your stupid. My stupid. <laughs> um, could it be that I came here of an inside out top? <laughs> I mean, it could be. No, actually, my stupid is actually more serious. Oh, like actually I've serious. Been, nah, I've been ill last week. You've been so ill, bless um, you. My um, stupid is feeling guilty for taking time off to sleep. Yeah, that is pretty stupid. Right? Pretty stupid. Right. Considering you've got a mouthful of ulcers. <laughs> Literally. This I've girl got, is not well. I've actually got spots in my ear. You and know, I'm like, stuck earache. in a small room with no ventilation, like about a foot away from your face. I did face. three sneezes before coming into your house and I was like, I smell like sneeze. You know that smell of sneeze? I was like, disgusting. Uh, which basically is the smell of spit. Yeah, they, yeah, they, I smell like spit. You've got spots in your ears. Just to backtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever I'm like run down, I get spots in my ears, oh. but it's like right in there. Oh. Weird. So I've got... My whole right side is actually just destroyed. Shit. So, like, I've got probably an abscess, which I showed you, didn't I? I do think, though, this... Emily's got a bit of issues with, like, a wisdom tooth coming through and it looks quite infected. I wonder if that is causing issues up that whole right side, including your ear. Yeah. And it's all coming from that tooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to go to the dentist. I know. Which is so annoying because it's so expensive. And when they were saying, when I was reading about the abscess, it's like... (laughs) <laughs> they were like oh have you been like temperature and all this stuff and I was like oh brilliant so there's one fucking tooth that's just caused me to be ill yeah brilliant and also yeah dentist I, I don't know what to do because I can't afford it well I actually popped into a dentist the other day to ask them if they were taking on patients which they're not taking on NHS patients which I didn't think they would be but I was like oh, I'll just find out how much it was and stuff anyway their appointments for a checkup is about £70 yeah but to join you have to spend I think it's about 110 because they, they insist on doing like x-rays and stuff because they don't want to take you on as a patient if what, so is what N- they is basically... this NHS? No, no, this is private. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm at a private dentist. Oh, so you're looking at about 70 quid then? For a checkup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went to the dentist probably like three years ago and had two fill-ins and a checkup, and it cost like 400 quid. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't know what they're going to... Because it might be a root canal, that's what I read. Nah, your wisdom no? tooth is coming through. So what am I going to do about the abscess? Huh? They'll give you antibiotics. An abscess is an infection. Yeah, I know, but I've had an abscess before and they had to take out the tooth. Well, it depends, though. Okay. Yeah, if the abscess is coming because of decay in the tooth. Yeah. But from what you but showed I've me... But I've got, like, issues with my teeth. I usually have... Oh, oh my right. God. This what, is like... <laughs> what you showed me, it looks more like your... The, yeah, your the wisdom tooth has got infected yeah, 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 around yeah. where okay. the wisdom tooth is coming out. So I hope so. Hold, hold hope. I'm God, sure I'm panicking. I'm such a hypochondriac as well. Yeah, it is mental, though, isn't it? Like, thinking back when we were kids, or at least when I was a kid, it was free. It's fucking yeah. free trips, isn't it? And now it's like actually mental. And it's like I haven't decided. Like I've waited. I'm gonna wait like a little bit longer to don't, get to the dentist. Just don't. Um, honestly, just in case it goes down. No, 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 no. Just don't do it because when I think back to when I had to have that root canal, which ended up in having an actual tooth removed. Oh my god! When your whole face was yeah, giant. And I had to do the Aldi Airy Mandragora interview. Final interview, and I was high as a fucking cat. I've been swigging whiskey all morning, which I don't know why I thought it would help the infection. I was an absolute mess, but that was because I left it and I left it and I left it because I was worried about the cost. Right. And I ended up losing a tooth and it was like a visible tooth as well. Yeah, and now you've got a gold tooth like a Ding. bear there. So no, do, you... do I have a gold tooth? <laughs> do I have a gold oh, tooth? Why are you fucking asking me that question? Do you have a silver tooth? Or do you just have a gap? What? Where's the tooth gone? No, I have a, a bridge. It's like tooth coloured. Why would oh, I get a fucking gold one? I don't one? know. 
to be cool. Can you imagine if I actually had like a what they called a grill? A grill. <laughs> they are pretty cool. They're coming back. Like mm. they're bringing it back. But bless you, Em. So you're feeling completely like ragged. Let's be honest. Yeah. Here you are recording a super genius episode. I'm a trooper because you're a hero. But that is my trooper. Just feeling like yeah, feel- guilty and just trying to power through. And I just think. Yeah. Do you know what I think is really stupid about that? Go on. Is how many times have we advised well, that's people it. that you need to, yeah. Just but you're, get, you're, you're ill, own, you're ill. Yeah, you're your own biggest, like, good advice, but I never take it, isn't it's it? very true. I'm always like that. I'm like, you need, you need to rest. And then I'm like, oh, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> I could start this new DIY project. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Don't even talk it's about that. Lovely. Yeah. Um, so my stupid is um, completely ridiculous. And... Yeah, just, it's a stupid, stupid because it's, I'm bigging it up now because I couldn't think of anything. Let's All be right. honest, I just couldn't. I don't think it's because stupid things aren't happening. I just think it's that I'm so all over the place at the moment that I'm not even being Aware. attentive to things that are happening. But this did feel quite stupid. The other day, so my iron levels are always really low because I've been vegetarian my whole life. It's something I struggle with. And mm. as is my B12, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, I go through phases of like looking after those issues. Yeah. And then I go but but can I just can I just caveat that with it's not because you're vegetarian, it's because you don't eat the vegetables the the range of vegetables that well I do I oh. eat a lot of I eat a lot of like leafy greens I eat a lot of broccoli a lot of yeah. kale but it doesn't give you the high intense iron that you get from for example red meat and also your body absorbs it differently I'm just so reluctant to say that because I just want well I'm <laughs> I've been a vegetarian my whole life I'm a massive advocate of being vegetarian but you have to supplement your diet. I know, I know. And Especially someone because... who's like anemic as well. I I can so see it. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not necessarily like with B twelve. Like the meat isn't a natural source of it, but it's also a... you don't. No, never mind. Huh? I was going to say you don't eat mushrooms. I don't eat mushrooms. No, but that's the only source of vitamin C or D in um, in vegetables. Maybe you only get it in meat. Otherwise. This is what I mean. So like, I know I need to supplement. Yeah. Anyway, so I spent like twenty quid on a bottle of Floridix, which is amazing. And I do go through phases of having it, and I always feel better. What is that? Floridix? Yeah, never heard of it. Um, you would probably recognise it. All the lifelong veggies will know about Floridix because it's like <laughs> it's the holy grail. It's like comes in a big red box. It's a bottle. It tastes. It's, it's it like tastes a like blood. Red. Tastes a little bit like blood. Yes, for uh, oh, uh, it's, it's for iron, normal. but it's for everything. It's just amazing, okay. but it is expensive, and you okay. basically have like a little shot of it in the morning and in the evening. Anyway, I was I was like rushing out to go out early the other day, and I shook you meant to shake it before you have it. Anyway, the fucking lid wasn't on. Half of the bottle, half of the whole bottle. How much spilled those bottles? Like twenty quid. Fuck, all over the sink. Ten pound gone. Pulled in the sink. At least it was in the sink. What do you mean? I think drink it out of the sink. No, but no, as in like it could have been everywhere. All over the floor. It's so sticky. That's true. That's true. You know? I was just, I was just devil. I was so. Well, yeah, that's ten pounds down the drain. Ten, literally, literally ten pounds. It poured down the drain. So that was my stupid. Also, probably stupid not putting the lid back on it. Probably. I know. Well, I thought I had. This is going into too much detail. Basically, the bottle has like a screw top, mm-hmm. and then and it, it clicks, has a little right? plastic. Yeah. Well, no, then it has a plastic cup that goes over the top that you use as a measuring cup. Uh, and as I pulled the measuring cup off the actual screw lid came off with it like in the measuring cup so I shook it not realising oh, there was no lid on it that's anymore that's even more stupid so stupid anyway it's there we funny. go what's there your you go. genius has it been working though I think so yeah yeah. I actually do think it, it does help. help yeah maybe I'll give it a go the tiredness is in like the fatigue <laughs> the fatigue definitely Honestly. is better yeah 
talking to a, a kid that was a, a kid. I'm not a kid. <laughs> That shows you're ill. I always feel like a kid when I'm ill. I'm like, I just want yeah, to. Vin's been asking me, like, why are you so needy when you're ill? I was like, I just need someone to take care of me. Exactly. Get me some water, Talk please. Me, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking to a person who was ill their whole life because of tiredness and anemia and iron deficiency. I look like one of those kids that were, could be haunting you. Yeah. <laughs> A little The Ring kid. Honestly, yeah, I'll show you a picture. Well, you definitely need Floridix then. Yeah, I do, I know, but... Get um, some, we'll get some today. Yeah, go on then. That could um, be your genius next week, you've started taking Floridix. <laughs> yeah, moving on to geniuses. It's been one of these weeks and I just don't, I'm not sure I've had one. Not because it's been, not because it's been bad. Like, it hasn't been like a terrible week, it's just, I don't know, I was trying to look back and be like, have I had any geniuses? Um, have you not sent a chapter to your supervisors and you're getting feedback That's that was like last week that was like last last week so it hasn't been within the just say it again. just say it again. no, no I was thinking maybe despite the negative feelings or that I had with um, taking a day off I did I, I took my own advice and I was like Emily take take a half day off I think I took two half days off and slept well to be fair because i obviously saw you wednesday morning last week and you were like so fucking ill and you were like i'm uh i've got to go to the lab until 7 p.m this is at like lunchtime yeah and then i got a message like an hour later and i've gone home and i was like that there is a genius moment yeah to prioritize yourself like that yeah takes a lot of courage doesn't it well it was (laughs) by luck that my supervisor had also cancelled a meeting so i was also like i don't have to be in now yeah um, it would be I'll, stupid to push through and it? I went back and I got in bed and got my laptop out and within five minutes I was like snoring away bless <laughs> you and I slept the whole day like I did that tw- like for two days you know like go I, I probably got back at like one and then slept until the next day so that's when you know that's you're... crazy yeah. yeah this is not making me feel any better about being sat in this room with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> so I think I think that's a genius just accepting that I need rest and I'm not subhuman. Yes. Although, as much as I'd like to. Um, And although the fucking, what you just showed me? Showed me. Showed me with your shoulders. Emily does this disgusting thing where she pops (gasps) both her shoulders out and she looks like, oh my God, you know, almost like a baby dragon. So my shoulder blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a big back. So in terms of being subhuman, I would actually disagree that you're not. Not as a human. People usually grab onto them and like, like try and lift me up from my shoulder blades. Maybe we'll do a demo. On yeah. The one. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's not disgusting. disgusting. It's actually disgusting. <laughs> my, um, I would say my genius is relatively similar in the sense of I've had a pretty mad, like everyone, a mad few weeks, a mad few months. It's been summer, which means doing lots and lots of shit all the time, which is great, but knackering. And this weekend just gone was the first weekend in literal months where me and Lloyd didn't have any plans. Um, And it was just so nice. Like I woke up late. One of the mornings Lloyd bought me tea and toast in bed, which always just puts me in a good mood for the rest of the day. We like did some pottering. Um, I started to learn to crochet, which I've been wanting to do for ages because you've inspired me to try it again. I tried a few years ago and gave up within like an hour. Um, So yeah, it was just really chilled. And yeah, that was my genius. Just not 
like what you say, free time does not need to be filled. You say yeah, it better yeah, 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 yeah. I can't even remember what I said. But essentially, you're that, asking a nail person to try and remember what she said. <laughs> like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. But basically, just because you have free time doesn't mean it's free to be filled. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's what I did this weekend. I could free time can be me time. Yeah, and I didn't make plans, and I feel better for it. Yeah, because we're going away this weekend down to Somerset, um, and you know I've got some big stuff on next week, so. It's genius. It's so genius to have those weekends. And those weekends feel, I don't know, sometimes I feel a bit sad. I'm like, oh, I haven't made any plans. And then when I do the um, weekend and I'm like, oh, my God, I so needed that. Yeah. But it's just it's just actively like you go on Instagram or you ask your friends what they're doing. And someone's always doing something incredible. Yeah. Then you start to think, oh, shit, maybe I'm like wasting my life here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Should and I just be sat at home watching telly or like, should I just be pottering around the park when actually everyone else is going out and doing yeah. living life? Yeah. I saw this video and it was like you have 75 on average, 75 years. And, and then they broke it down. And, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you're making me feel so guilty for like I have to live life to the fullest and actually no you know what having just a mediocre or what quote unquote mediocre not like you know these Instagram yeah it's actually lovely and it depends what you take joy in like if you take joy in just lying on the sofa having little chats with whoever you live with and just eating nice food and like that's as much of an enjoyment as doing that crazy stuff yeah yeah or have that balance exactly having balance I would agree agree shall we ramble yeah yeah let's do it let's do it so <laughs> I guess I'm also oh my god that was frightening in this episode no I can't do it now I've okay let me try again come on <laughs> Molly's Molly's actually lost it we've lost it basically <laughs> I scared Molly we had a plan I was meant to speak first Emily has just dived right in there she's thrown me off because I'm always self-conscious about over speaking because I know I speak over you so I thought I'll just do it I'll just intentionally I'll intentionally do it as a laugh and Molly actually got scared so now she can't and now I can't talk cheers Em thanks very much I'm sorry in this episode we're talking all things supervisors If you want to know what your supervisor thinks about you, then this is the episode for you. We're going to be disclosing all the juicy stuff, basically. Basically, what your supervisor says behind your back, what they actually think about you. No, 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 no. Whether they like being your supervisor, but (laughs) mainly like what they find challenging, how we can do things better. And yeah, just like how meaningful the relationship is. We think this is a really important issue to discuss because, well, let's face it, like your supervisor is one of the main relationships that you need to foster throughout your PhD. Um, And also a healthy and respectful relationship with your supervisor. It can benefit so many things. It can improve your morale. It can improve your productivity. Ultimately, it can actually boost your career. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it's not like your supervisors can open up um, avenues to co-authorship or things like that if you have a good relationship with them. Ultimately, as well, it can affect how quickly you actually progress in your PhD. Um, And without sounding like a complete drama queen, your supervisor relationship can make or break your PhD experience. Um, It totally can, can't it? Yeah, I've had awful, awful stories. Yeah, and I I have had a very good experience. And I know that that has had a huge impact on my PhD experience. Um, So, yeah, we just feel like it's really critical that we look at how we work with our supervisors and not against them. Um, And central to that is actually having a really good understanding of what our supervisors experience, 
what challenges they face and yeah the different things that they have to actually contend with as well as being our supervisors yeah it's important for us to know um you know what our supervisors have to deal with because we know they have a lot to deal with but what is that what does that entail sometimes we don't sometimes we get wrapped up in you're my supervisor you need to get back to me um or how do i how do i manage my supervisors better or this and that and so that's why we thought we'd bring you this episode but we kind of wanted to dive in why lecturers have so much to deal with and more and more lecturers are being signed off with stress there's an increase in workload and pressure to perform across many different areas this is coupled with a 25% um, pay cut since 2010. That's mad, isn't it? And isn't they it? only have to do more. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like they're doing less work for that. Yeah, they're doing more and more work. Um, there's also limited time allocated to supervisors to engage in supervision. So in my faculty, we have learned that the director of studies, i.e. the first supervisor, gets 60 hours per year. However, the first and second supervisors don't get any. And I have actually three supervisors. I have four supervisors, one main. And then, so the thought of them getting no supervisory yeah. hours. Well, I think they said, didn't they, that they don't, they cannot get any. So the first supervisor, i.e. the director of studies, might decide to allocate some of their 60 hours to those supervisors. But that is for all. That's like five hours a month. That's it. Yeah. To be your supervisor. Yeah, mad. No, five hours a week, isn't it? No, a month. Shit. <laughs> Shit. Five hours a week would be like We've that. Actually Amazing. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would actually be good, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. And um, that's like, that's so little in terms of that. I wouldn't even, I think they're at my beck and call no matter what. Yeah. And then you when know? you think about what they have to do, you know, outside of just going to your meetings, they're reading your emails, they're giving you feedback on drafts, on um, like presentations, they may be attending new presentations that you do and everything else. Like to think five hours a month yeah literally it's fuck all it's fuck all and that's just your main supervisor let alone the other ones that are giving you advice and all that sort of stuff and obviously it does vary doesn't it between faculty faculty so it's not that's not an apply all to everyone yeah but i imagine it's probably similar similar yeah i think they get a few hours more in my faculty but it's yeah it's pretty similar and i think what you said just before like it's very easy as a super as a PhD student to think that well you know this is one of their main jobs to be my supervisor and therefore they should grant me x amount of attention and stuff like that and really we're a tiny tiny drop in the ocean of what they have to do yeah Um, and it's hard to it's hard to separate separate yourself from that because we all are the center of our own universe and we're all like I need to get this done why aren't they replying why aren't they doing this why aren't they doing that and this whole episode is to, I guess, to gain supervisors' um, challenges and understand their challenges. Yeah, get some insight. Because, like, one supervisor we spoke to, um, they were saying that they're on the teams of 10 students. 10 like, students. That is a fucking lot of students, you know. And we we go into that thinking, like, oh, well, the, you know, I'm there. That might not be their main concern in terms of all their workload, but yeah. in terms of supervising, it's me, you know. Yeah. But no. you know, they're probably having countless emails of countless students at the same day. Exactly. And, and that's not just their only job role either. As, well, that's like, what I'm saying. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just like they're just not they're not hired as supervisors, they're supervisors, lecturers, they're I don't know. Definitely. And we'll come I can't on even to think that. of all the other. <laughs> yeah, we'll come on to we'll that. We'll definitely come on to that. Um but to really get an insight into this, because we just think that you know, through gaining an insight into what supervisors um, have to experience and the challenges they face, we 
think that this could help to make your experience with your supervisors better because we know that from understanding, from being empathetic of other people's situations, it can just help to foster better relationships, essentially. So what did we do? Well, we asked four supervisors, a professor, a reader, and two senior lecturers, lecturers, sorry. Lecturers. Um, (laughs) Combine our resources. (laughs) Combine our resources. It sounds like Lloydie. We asked them to share some um, experiences and we posed them a few different questions just to really get like an insight into what they feel about being a supervisor. Exactly. Why are we going to sit here and talk about what we think that they feel like rather than getting their actual lived experience? Straight from the horse's mouth. Straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> so we put out the question to lots of different supervisors we know and these are the responses that we got. So the first question was, what are some of your biggest challenges as a supervisor? And do you have any sort of specific examples that you could share with us? So a professor got back to us and said... For me, it has been students that are more interested in holding the title of doctor than the process of actually getting there. If a student is not interested in their research area and they're not interested in reading and writing, as a supervisor, I find this really challenging. There needs to be some motivation and curiosity. I had a student once who noted in our initial meeting that they didn't like reading and they didn't like writing. As you can imagine, it didn't go down very well and they ended up abandoning their PhD. <laughs> I don't like writing, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to abandon my PhD. This is a whole thing. And do you know what? Let's talk about this in a different episode. But I actually sort of mentioned this to you the other day, Emily, didn't I? That I feel like we... Sometimes I hear on Instagram and in people's conversations this idea that, like, researchers don't need to like reading and writing. And, blah, 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 and Oh, we've had this whole thing. Yeah. It's like, actually, you, you as you a do. researcher, yeah, annoyingly you do. And you can have... We've talked about this. But like, not annoyingly, because that is what a researcher is. If well, you don't yeah. like that, do something, do something else, else that doesn't involve that, Yeah, that, that encompasses what you want to do. Because I struggle with writing. That doesn't mean... But you still like doing uh, it. But I still enjoy the process of writing Yeah. And it, I just take a different angle. I need to take more time. It's it's the part that I will leave long, longest for me to do rather than, say, I don't know, recruitment or in, um, networking or something. That's something I find really easy. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're going to have your strengths and weaknesses. But if there's something that you absolutely dislike doing or uh, is, quite frankly, really bad at and not going to... Yeah, well, that's it. Like, even though I like and I'm probably good at the reading and writing, there's aspects of the PhD that I'm not as good at yeah. and I don't particularly like... But I wouldn't start out a PhD by being like, oh, by the way, I don't do that. Like, yeah. I don't, do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is not me. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah. It's part of the job. You're going to have to right. do it for me because I like, can't do it. You wouldn't take a job at like, say, for example, a supermarket and be like, oh, by the way, I don't stack shelves. Yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah, job, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's on the job description. <laughs> and I like the fact that they've said have some motivation and curiosity. That's basically take some initiative. Yeah, and the curiosity, know. I think we forget about that as a PhD student. Like, yeah. You need to be curious because no one's going to instill that in you, are they? Yeah, because I, I remember my first like present presentation of the results and they were like asking me these different questions I basically presented them the base results and they were like what about this what about that and it really opened my eyes to oh I haven't been curious about my results at all I've presented them as they were I haven't yeah. gone oh what about that that's interesting let me dive into that and let's, let's figure out why that's the case and it's asking those so what isn't it? so what and so I've tried to take that on and um and Learn when to stop the curiosity. Though, that know? must be hard as a PhD supervisor because how do you make someone have that? I don't know if you can, you know, which I suppose is why she said or they've said that um, 
it ended up in them abandoning their PhD. Yeah. If you don't have any motivational curiosity, that's not something you can like instill in someone else, is it? They no. need to find that on their own. Well, and we, we, I think we talk about, we've definitely talked about this and we're, we'll, you know, that don't, if you're doing it just to get a PhD, you're not, you're not, one, not going to enjoy it and two, you're probably not going to get complete it. Yeah, basically. If it's like part of your motivation, then fine. Yeah, yeah. We're all motivated by the idea of being. Doctor. I'd love to be called doctor. Yeah, yeah. But if that's the only reason, you're going to have an issue. You're yeah, definitely going to yeah. have an issue because it's, it's so much harder than just doing a qualification. It's like definitely, you know, you're it's a life everything. change. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's our reader got to say then? Okay, so the reader said. The biggest issue for a supervisor, in my experience, is team dynamics and conflict resolution. Managing conflict and maintaining a cohesive team can be challenging over the PhD journey. Resolving dis- disputes... <laughs> I was going to say disreputes. Disreputes. <laughs> Resolving disputes and ensuring a harmonious working environment is essential for progression and morale. The key challenges that face are, within my institution, the is a new supervisory structure which consists of a lead supervisor, co-supervisor. The emphasis to support the PGR now rests with one person that, and that causes the friction across the team, especially if they're not included in the student conversations. An example of that is when university milestones are due, such as annual progress review, um, as each member of the team is supposed to sign off the progress of the student. This can lead to conflicts if there's a disagreement towards their progression. Do you know what? That's really interesting because that's something as a PhD student you would just never have an awareness of, would you? I would never know that what was going on in terms of the actual the, the team dynamics is in between the supervisors. Like we know how the dynamic is between us yeah. and the supervisors, but to think that there's actually potentially conflict between the supervisors. Oh, I've seen it happen, and I know I've heard about it happening. And, Shit, and like actual arguments. In supervisory meetings. Which I can imagine now. Not my, not my supervisor. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I've seen it. I've, I've seen, seen it. it. Um, I saw my supervisor with this fight in front of me. Can you imagine? Like an Elon Musk and like a Zuckerberg situation. Across teams, just like punching yeah. the camera. Oh, God. But yeah, like if they're saying in their institution there's this new structure, you can see how that would be tricky if like suddenly they're saying, well, in a way I can see that would be good if the lead supervisor has the final call. And yeah. Like that. I think it should be like that. Yeah. But... You can also see how that would cause friction. Particularly, like, it doesn't necessarily mean just because they're your second, third supervisor that they're not going to be really engaged. So they might still be just as, like, committed and invested in the project as your lead supervisor. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, just, I guess, disagreements on the decisions that they're making. So I know, um, obviously, I'm not going to name names, but I know... No. I know my friend um, who had a supervisory team that would constantly bicker in supervisory meetings. And to apply this to my supervisory team, I wouldn't say they bicker, but they definitely have disagreements. But it's more of a, I disagree, here's why, discuss, 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 have a conclusion. Whereas what it seemed like with their bickering, it was just genuine, like sort of picking away at each other and no real like, defining why why am i challenging you in this way it would be um someone would be having a supervisor me and then the supervisor would be on their um laptop and clearly doing something and they'd be like if you're attending a meeting can you attend and not you know beyond and uh and the supervisor would respond back it's called multitask (gasps) oh 
like, so like you can tell it's petty. not it's petty it's not it's not like and also like as i say we've we think about these things don't we and like how that impacts us as phd students and how that makes us feel blah, blah, blah. but then actually thinking about how that makes the supervisors feel and how that presents because well, there was another supervisor in there that was just like what yeah. the hell and how do you manage that you and have to work together exactly it got to a point where the lead supervisor got so almost like overwhelmed with it all they took a step down and then the person who uh the multitasker <laughs> took lead supervisory role and then it became a supervisory team of two i think then rather than three right okay um, so that was conflict not resolved really yeah it was just like and it had nothing to do with the phd student i think that's what's remarkable there yeah. because we often think that conflict within supervisory teams involves the phd student usually doesn't it oh that's how i usually perceive yeah. it but to think that that phd student had no like no involvement, involvement with yeah, that. yeah yeah they were just sort of there witnessing oh, it no, or, no. and i don't i don't know there's probably more to it i didn't no but know, yeah there's probably there must, there must be more to it but that's the that's what i heard on the grapevine drama and drama well, our senior lecturer also had um, some insights to share. So they said that one of the... <laughs> like, move on. Stop spreading <laughs> drama, Emily. I mean, we love spilling the tea. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest challenges for me was figuring out how to be a good supervisor because we never get taught this. Our only experience comes from our own supervision or from watching others. I was very lucky to be part of a supervisory team where my co-supervisors came not only with a lot of experience and knowledge of the supervisory process, but they were also thought thoughtful supportive and kind oh i've really struggled with those i've really struggled with my last one (laughs) it taught me a lot but not everyone is granted the same experience that's so interesting yeah like they don't get taught how to be supervisors they're just stabbing in the dark (laughs) in many ways yeah as much as you got taught how to be a phd student yeah they've got taught how to be a supervisory yeah and if you've been unfortunate and you know observed negative supervisory practices then that's what you're going to have learned i suppose Le- yeah learn monkey say monkey no different different monkey saying see, monkey do. yeah monkey Maybe. see monkey do yeah, yeah, sort of thing. Like that. and like as phd students we do expect our supervisors just to know it all but remembering that that they've they've not received any particular like training although <laughs> yes that is coming in at yeah. which i think is amazing which it has been talked about though for years apparently yeah and it is actually coming in where supervisors are going to have to do some basic training which i think is amazing but it's not across the board you know that's not a universal yeah. thing but it? how does that come into you know contact with their you know they're already time their time allocated spot like slots yeah and now they're having to do training on top of that that just increases the pressure of the workload true i suppose an argument for it might be that by doing the training it might enable them to be more efficient with their supervisions as they go forward and they might save time because they're not for example dealing with more with conflict because they've been able to approach supervisory what a lecturing like a different way i don't know what a good answer (laughs) you're always on it you're always on it yeah no that's really obviously no one if they get i guess the what the point there is if they get stuff wrong just accept it they're just learning the same as you yeah and especially like I get everything right. one of my supervisors i was their first ever phd student you know so for them they're learning along with me when it's yeah. literally our first experiences together and so just having a bit of empathy about that i suppose exactly and and often that okay so they've learned they've learned it maybe they're uh senior supervisor or whatever you want to call them they've done it a lot of times they probably have just learned whatever they oh that worked for me i guess they got the phd okay i'll i'll apply that to everyone and sort of just getting stuck in the ways of this power supervise rather than sort of 
yeah. molding it to the person. Yeah, that's true. And it is luck of the draw, isn't it? Like, I'm lucky that I've had amazing PhD supervision. In my opinion, isn't it? It worked for me. Maybe it wouldn't have worked as well for someone else, but for me. And so when I become a PhD supervisor, I will probably try and replicate it. But you're right. There is a worry that you may not, you know, adjust it for each student because you're like, well, this works. I'm just going to keep supervising yeah. in this way. And some students might need a little bit more of a back offish sort of stance and let them just get along with it. And another person might need a bit more guidance. But then I think being an experienced supervisor part of that would entail knowing how to adapt your yeah. approach. But they learn on the job. Yeah, but they so are. How, yeah, so I guess, yeah, take a bit of empathy towards them. If they get stuff wrong, if they piss you off uh, in the less... <laughs> less uh, I, what, what? My brain's gone. In the less PG sense, if they piss you off, that's what I was thinking. Ah, oh, fuck it. Another supervisor shared with um, us their biggest challenge is time. Um, and how limited time resources given to the supervisors make them feel um, conflicted between wanting to help their students and physically not having time to do it um, in the way that they maybe want to and um, in the way that they think their students deserve. So at the end of the day, we're all humans and everyone's human and they see the student, they want to nurture them into the whatever independent researcher they are, but they only have allocated, we said what, it, the main supervisor, 60 hours a year, yeah. five hours a month. I don't know who other supervisors, zero time, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, that so, must be so hard, like, wanting to give them more time, but physically just not and, having it. And imagine them asking you for help and you going, I physically don't have allocated time for this. Yeah. What do you do? What, so, what do you do? You, I know there's been times where students emailed me and I'm only a TSO, like, teaching support officer. I'm not a full-on lecturer, um, and me wanting to help, but me going, well, I don't have time. So then passing them on to the lecturer. I mean, obviously I'm supposed to pass them on to the lecturer anyway. But even if it's a question that I could have well and truly answered, in my brain there is a moment of, yeah, I, I don't have, I'm not at work. I'm and not getting paid for this. To, yeah, how much time we really do have in comparison with yeah. these other lecturers and stuff. It is, yeah. Right? It's crazy. Um they also shared that the big challenge is when um, the expectations of the PhD um, student and the supervisor don't align. So when your learning techniques um, might when your learning techniques might differ or be different, and the student can often expect more hands-on experience from the supervisor. We were sort of talking about this before, um, as they're still in the mindset of having teachers. You know, if you come through the educational system where it is quite a hand-holding exercise, even even let's be honest, undergrad. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. Um, and the supervisory role is very different to this. It's not a hand-holding exercise. No, like there is said, curiosity, motivation, you need to do that. They're only there to supervise yeah. you. Um, students need to dictate the trajectory of their PhD and the passion that drives it. This can't come from super, supervisors. So very similar to, I think it was the first the curiosity. one, the curiosity yeah. one. Um, they said that um, I can't care more about your PhD than you do. Um, and a big challenge is that sometimes students expect this. So sometimes students expect the supervisor to be like, oh, you're as passionate about this. I'm going to be as passionate about this. It's just unrealistic, isn't it? Yeah. And um, and a big challenge is that students don't tend to appreciate that the supervisor is so much more than your supervisor. As academia is extremely metric driven, um, they have lots of metrics that they have to meet. And supervision is only one of these outside 
of you. There'll be lots of other students that are wanting they wanted to work with. They also have research projects to work with, um, amongst a million other things. And as we said, how much allocated time they have is yeah. so like such a fraction to what they actually do. Um, and they suggested that what would be really helpful is that if students don't go into every conversation, I've I'm so good with this. Sorry, I'm laughing. You guys don't. Know I think talking. we all are. Super. Um, so going into a meeting or a conversation with a supervisor, expecting them to remember every single detail about your PhD. Um, so maybe starting off the supervisor meeting with a little summary to mind your supervisors is really helpful. And I saw, I think I saw a Twitter thread about this and I actually try, have tried to start doing this, but I always still find it difficult. How, what, what summary, how, how much detail do you need to go into the summary? Well, I suppose even if you just said like, oh, so in the last meeting we were discussing my themes and I outlined that I had four themes and I wanted your feedback on this aspect of it. Yeah. Da, 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 rather than just being like so, so what are your thoughts on this please i literally do that i'm so guilty of that yeah i suppose that's what it just gives a bit of context isn't it yeah like the person we were talking about before who has 10 or they might not be a director of studies but they're on 10 different supervisory teams you know bloody hell they need like a moment to be caught up right yeah. Right. how are they expected to i can't even sometimes flip between my own work and think right where was i at here you know, you just need that, like, bring it up moment, to speed a bit. Yeah. yeah. And I expect, I guess, what I expect them to do is, I guess... No, actually, I don't. I was going to say look at, like, remind themselves before the meeting. But actually, no, they're back to back. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't expect <laughs> I don't that. expect that. I don't know and why I was going to say that. If you're listening to this episode and you do expect that, then maybe alter your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so the next question that we asked was... What are some things that your students can do um, to create difficulties for you? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope I don't do any of these things. What do, so what do you guys do? What do we do <laughs> to create yeah. difficulties for um, our supervisors? So the prof said, I don't want to read this. <laughs> <laughs> Not keeping in regular contact is something I find challenging. For example, after a supervisor meeting, actions are agreed and the student disappears. I'm so guilty of this. Really? Sometimes for months, the supervisor then ends up chasing the student as they're concerned about their well-being and difficult dyna- um, and a difficult dynamic results. Uh, it's much easier on the supervisor if the student keeps in regular con- regular contact, even to say they've not managed to complete the work or need a quick check to overcome a barrier. Yeah, I can see that's really challenging, and especially as well. Um, you know, they've said that, like, the supervisor then ends up chasing, like, months later. Yeah. I wonder if some PhD students just expect, again, like, going back to that hand-holdy thing of having yeah. that more, like, student-teacher dynamic, that, well, in a couple of weeks, your, student, your supervisor will get in touch to check in with right. you. That's not going to happen. Like no. we said, they're too busy. So it's good. it could be months and months before you actually have that conversation. But really, the onus is on you as a PhD student the onus is not on the supervisor. And I think we sometimes have that skewed. Yeah. But I think for me, it's not that. It's more, I'm getting on with my work. Uh, I know they're busy. I don't want to bug them with constant updates. What else? Also, I just don't know. Sometimes I haven't, yeah, completed the task and I feel bad about it. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. I suppose the way they've said it is like, it's usually the result of the student having a barrier and not not progressing right and yeah. actually just speaking to the phd supervisor would help but i suppose in your situation you're saying well actually it can sometimes be because you're being productive and then yeah. you feel like you don't need your supervisor yeah, yeah yeah but actually probably keeping i know my supervisor always must be like emily can we have an update yeah because i'm like oh shoot yeah it has been a couple of months and i have not updated him 
Yeah, if I mean, if I was on a team, I'd be wondering, like, oh, I wonder what's going on with that. Yeah. You know, or, like, even if it's just to settle your mind. Yeah, sometimes, I guess I, I could easily do that every, at least, like, every month, just going, hey, this doing, is what I'm this up what to. done. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they don't respond, it's just sort of, you know, they've seen it and they've gone, oh, cool. Because, oh, I mean, cool. in theory, you should be having, I don't mean you, but a PhD student should be having, like, a monthly meeting, ideally, shouldn't they? Yeah. Which is where you would have that, this is what I've done this month, this is what I'm going to do yeah. next month. But if you're not having that, then, yeah, I guess just, like, a few lines over email. That's true. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm still here because... Well, I guess summer's just can't be, so I feel like everyone goes... Yeah. Everyone disappears. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I suppose you're coming from this at an angle of, like, you are an engaged student, but from speaking to, like, experienced supervisors, I don't think we understand quite how many students start the PhD process and then, like, disappear. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what I mean? So, like, we're coming at this from an angle of, like, being... We've always been very engaged, even when we have... Yeah, even when I think I'm not engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. True. Um, So our reader had, um, I guess, like, a similar thing to say initially. They said that um, one of the things that can create the most difficulties for them is, again, lack of communication. Um, So they've said that some of the doctoral students struggle with communicating their research progress, their concerns or their questions... They find communication difficult because um, in most cases, it might be the first time they've been on a programme that has independent study. Um, and therefore, they can feel that asking questions might show a lack of intelligence, which they say is absolutely never the case. Um, so I think that's really interesting because, you know, it's like what you just sort of said. It sometimes comes down to this, like you might not communicate because you feel bad, like you've let them down or you don't want to admit that you've not achieved something or something. But like you said before, they're human. We're human. It's just having humanity to be considerate with each other and yeah. be like, look, I've I've struggled with this or I'm finding this hard. Um, and that's really sad that, you know, this person's experience is that students are worried it's going to make them seem not intelligent. That's exactly what, how I feel. That's so shit, I, I don't want to fit, seem weak or unintelligent to, to say, ask like, questions. ask questions. Do you know what? I've always been that really, really annoying kid. I've never, ever worried about asking questions. Well, that's that phrase that I actually wrote down because it, it really helped me is a man who asks a fool... Uh, <laughs> I've ruined it. Oh no, try again. Uh, A man who asks a question is a fool for a second. A man that asks no questions is a fool for life. Yes. Can we change it to woman? Or a person? person? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, it's just like a problem. These old fucking things are always written for men, aren't they? But yeah, a man I could not agree with more with. And I think that is something that I've actually um that's always been a Hermione Granger thing in me. I've never ever bothered about asking questions. Yes, fucking annoys me. <laughs> because as well, I think I was always that person in lectures as well, because I can fucking guarantee if you've got that question, someone else someone does. else does as well. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I don't mind being that idiot that You're so inquisitive it. though, and it's you know a lot. You do, you know, random, like, whenever someone that. says a, a thing, you're like, oh, yes, this is it. I'm like, what the fuck? How because I ask questions about it, probably. <laughs> Literally, I'll say one thing and you have 20 questions. I even, I always prep sometimes when I, when I tell it. you something. I'm like, I know she'll have these questions. Oh, so no, I need that's to horrible, know. though. No, no, it's good because, like, you're so inquisitive and it, you obviously care. Say, like, when, when Vin got the job, I came to you and I went, I knew you would have fucking yeah, questions. And I told Vin to message me. What it is, like all these questions that I knew Molly would have because I know I won't be able to answer that. I'm just interested in, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so our reader said that their second issue that they feel creates difficulties for them as a supervisor oh, it's the dreaded 
procrastination um, and time management so they've said again um, some doctoral students they've experienced really struggle with time management and this can lead to delays in completing big milestones you've already mentioned like the annual progress Mm -hmm. review or also just meeting deadlines Um, and this can affect the overall progress of the research and so they've said that the main reason is linked to the communication um, because students tend to read copious amounts of articles um in an effort to demonstrate to their supervisor that they have knowledge mm-hmm. which inadvertently slows things down and makes the academic progress of actually writing up uh, the thesis really slow yeah um so that's quite interesting because when this person started saying about procrastination and time management i thought they were going to say that students are procrastinating i not doing anything but what they're saying is that they're procrastinating in a in the wrong area. Yeah, so maybe... Their attentions like, are elsewhere rather than where they need to be. Yeah, like they're still focused on the work but not in the right way. So, like... And it maybe I sort of can relate to this. I can definitely relate to this. Of, like, moving on to the next step because you're not confident in it. So it's like, right, I'll just keep doing this. Yeah. I'll just keep reading because I'm, I don't want to move on yet because yeah. I'm scared. Yeah. And I remember feeling like that for sure. I feel like that all the time. And also just directing my energy sort of... I've had so many side projects that I've... My PhD has taken a back burner and, and some, I have been procrastinating the PhD because there are hard bits and I'm like, oh, it's good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, we're putting it off not out of laziness, but out of like worry or something. Yeah, like. yeah. And I suppose, like they've said, linking to the communication, if you're feeling like that, just tell your supervisors yeah. and they'll they'll like yeah. make you feel better about it. But also if you constantly have this communication with your supervisors or supervisor, you're going to have that accountability yeah. a little bit more. So if you go a bit like, yeah, and then you're probably more likely to be able to get move forward with the with the progress. Definitely. And you'll, I mean, I, yeah, you'll, ha- you'll worry your supervisors less because they know what position you're in. Whereas like when they don't know where you're at or where your head of game is or whatever, whatever in any sort of thing, they are clueless. They can't help you. Yeah. I know my supervisor came just to have one of my, he just had a chat and he was like, I just need like a 10 minute chat to know where you're at where I'm at and that makes me feel he was like I feel a lot calmer now I know yeah. what we need to do well it's like if we were working on a project and your name's on something you're responsible for something in part but you haven't got a clue what's going on in that project mm. you're definitely in your head you're going to be like well fuck like should I be doing something yeah. it's a horrible feeling isn't it yeah 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 so like, we shouldn't oh, put our supervisors in that position exactly that's definitely something I could work on um, it can be really so <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, what? Uh, senior lecturer <laughs> is this what they said yeah, it can be really challenging to give a student work, um, give a student's work attention it deserves if we don't have enough time. I always appreciate when my students are able to submit drafts a couple of weeks ahead before a meeting. Mm. This is something I actually had to learn, which is so dumb because it's like so obvious. I don't think it's dumb. I don't think it's particularly obvious if no one's ever told you. Yeah. Like, I think obviously sending them it two weeks before so they have enough time to flick through it if it's something that you want to discuss in a meeting yeah and make that clear i think it comes down to respect as well like Mm -hmm. being respectful of their time you know like if someone fucking emailed me something and was like i need this turned around for tomorrow you'd be like what like value my time yeah value my time i have other stuff going on so yeah like you say it is obvious when you think about it because it's like well obviously they can't just drop everything and be like right molly sent me a chapter let me read it yeah they have to plan that time that's funny yeah and we've talked about that haven't we like actually saying to your supervisor can I, I'm going to tell you the date that I'm going to send it. You tell me the date you're going to give me feedback, mm-hmm. you know, and agree yeah. on those dates. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and be specific with it. Don't just send, don't just say we've got a meeting 
and then attach a document to it. Say like, uh, we're going to be discussing this if you could. Yeah. You know, because I've definitely <laughs> done that. Because last week you had well, I literally done that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I assumed that they would look at it. <laughs> yeah, because in the, didn't you send an attachment which you expected them to read, but it didn't say, please, please read. Please read, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. But again, I can see why you would do that because it, it seems obvious. Yeah. We're like, we're, 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 yeah, we're having a meeting to discuss this and... You know, the, the document was the, the this. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But I suppose they thought, well, we're going to discuss it in the meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But so, like, so be clear. Exactly, communication. And, and, you know, if if you feel like you're being too... I don't know, sometimes I'm like, oh, am I being too pedantic? Am I being too, like... No. No, you're not, because I would want to open an email and go, okay, this is what this person wants me to do. Yeah, do it. I even do it sometimes where, like... You have to be careful it doesn't come across as rude, but the bits that I actually require action on, I bold. like underline or put yeah, in bold. Because if I'm a reading email, I love that if someone says, so what I need you to take from this email is X, Y, Z. That's what I started doing like at the end. So action points, da, 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 da. And yeah. I was like, oh, is it too... No, because it's horrible when you read through a big email and you're like, okay, so what, what do you want me to do? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then to, maybe this is me being like too extra, I don't know. But with the whole thing of... Um, submitting drafts a couple of weeks ahead of time I actually created a Gantt chart which um had for each chapter it had the date of when I was going to send it and when I would receive feedback I've literally just done that Friday yeah 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 yeah, because then also it helps you realize how long things are going to take yeah and the best thing ever is when you get to tick things off early that is the best feeling in the world so I would definitely advise doing that so the third question we asked um, this group of supervisors was, what do you find most rewarding about being a PhD supervisor? So our professor said, it's a real privilege to be a PhD supervisor. I really like it when the student starts to gain confidence in their topic area, starts to spread their wings and becomes the expert in their supervisor re- relationship, although not their weird fucking shoulder wings. like <laughs> Not those sorts of wings. <laughs> I always learn loads from my PhD students. It's very rewarding to follow their career and to know that you played a small part in their journey. That's lovely. And what did our reader say? There are so many benefits to being a PhD supervisor, such as mentorship and guidance, contribution to knowledge and research advancements, seeing students' growth and progression, impact on students and long-term professional relationships. If I was to select one, it would be making and retaining long-term relationships with postdoctoral students. Since my supervisor, <laughs> since my time as a supervisor, I've seen many doctoral students graduate and go on to have very successful careers inside and outside of academia. And I'm pleased that fostering the aforementioned benefits has enabled me to stay in touch with many doctors and other higher educational settings. Nice. And then our senior lecturer, they shared that one of their things that they find most rewarding is watching someone find their confidence in their work, um, which is so, so rewarding. The PhD is such a wild ride. You go from knowing nothing about your topic to feeling like you're starting to get a grasp on it to suddenly feeling like you know nothing again, which is where I'm at right now. (laughs) It's also a bit of a woolly process. There's no clear cut formula of what you should be doing, when you should be doing it, or even what your work should look like. That can be really overwhelming. But at a certain point, you see your students start to feel more in charge of their research. They're more confident in their understanding of the topic and of what they need to do. And that is so great. Oh, so nice, isn't it? So what can we bloody do to make our supervisors have um, a less challenging experience? 
Yeah, because we asked them, didn't we? What do you wish your students knew? So listen up, guys. This is where you can make some changes. Woo, let's go. So our professor said, um, your supervisor loves to hear your ideas. We may know a bit more about your topic or not even a bit more. We may know a bit about your topic, but you quickly become the expert as the student. And so send us your stuff to read and just keep us up to date. We are also learning as part of this process. That's actually mad to hear because that is exactly what we were saying before. And that's literally what the, pre- the professor has said that they want. Ugh. So send them your shit. Keep them up to date. They are also learning. Love yeah, that. Love that. And that's a professor. Yeah. Man. They've been doing this for like 25 years. Yeah. Arena you know? said a key point I think PhD students could be more aware of is if they have um, come up through undergrad or postgraduate where lots um, a lot of the modules are taught and structured. The PhD is not designed to be taught and will require a lot of self-autonomy. A PhD student needs to be recognised, needs to be able to recognise that they are on the programme because they are able and have the ability. Therefore, the supervisors are there to support and guide and not tell them what to do um, or write or include. Mm, I think this is actually a a big one that I even went into the PhD saying that, because people were like, what's the PhD? What, what, like, sort of, what do you do? And I was like, well, imagine you do an undergrad or a master's course, but I'm the lecturer. I'm the, you know, like, I was like trying to get, like, I organise the courses. I organise the modules. That's actually mad. I've never thought of it like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's basically what a PhD no, no, is, That's right? basically what it is. I've just never thought of it like yeah. that. I've never thought of it. You're doing a degree, but you have no... You have no like, teaching. Because they were like, oh, do you not go to sessions or courses or, like, lectures or seminars? I was like... I do, but I source them myself. Which I think is different in, like, other countries, isn't it? I think, mm. like, in America, this might be complete bullshit, but I think there is much more of a taught element, whereas, yeah, for people that don't know, in the UK, it is purely self-guided. Yeah. So anything that I wanted to learn, I'd read a paper or I'd go to a seminar or I'd go to a workshop and I'd, I'd outsource them myself or... Yeah. And and from the get-go, I kind of knew that, that that was... It was it was a, a me thing. I had to guide myself and... Yeah, I think and I, you can but maybe not not in that way yeah, I literally said that and I, it sounded so like they're like oh and I was like well and they're like well what do your you have supervisors and stuff and I was like yeah but there's it, a supervisor there's a supervisor yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they like tell, tell me what to do yeah it is mad I do think a lot of people go into it not realizing that yeah I didn't realize the full extent of that I did I thought there'd be a bit of I knew it wasn't taught I don't know no no because you go into the PhD not knowing what a PhD is because right. I kept everyone being like what are you going to do and I was like I don't actually know what a PhD is but yeah, I know I wanted exactly. to do one ask me in three years I might have <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. or maybe not <laughs> in our case um, and our senior lecturer their um, answer to this was doing a PhD is rewarding but let's be honest it's also really hard it's much easier to help PhD students if they let us know what is going on so if you're struggling with a chapter, the PhD in generally, or even just life outside of university, letting your supervisory team know can make such a difference. And I think that is great, great, great advice. And it just taps into what we talked about before. Mm. Communicate, talk to your supervisors. They are there for that. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty much done. You don't need to, unless you want to do another PhD, Molly. <laughs> but this has actually helped me. And I, I'm kind of annoyed that we started this P- this PhD podcast in our final year. It's we so annoying. This podcast as, as like early students. It's so annoying, and like I'm guilty. I'm so if you're sat there going fuck, that's what I do. Uh, don't worry, I do it too, and I still do it, and I'm in third year. So don't you worry, <laughs> <laughs> don't you worry. And um, there's definitely going to be some action points that I take from this for sure. Definitely, Should we get some inspo. Let's do it. 
you go first, Molly. Uh, Molly, did we? We actually didn't. We forgot to post. <laughs> Do you know what? I did not forget to post my quote last week. I did not post it on purpose because it had no fucking place on our grid. Mine was about like paprika and bad style. Yeah. And I don't know. So yeah, I was, actually, yeah, fair. Mine was a tactical mispost. So, so I won. Uh, can we say that? I didn't can we post. really say that? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but this one. Okay. Now this one I'm going to win. I'm gonna win. No, to be fair, I'm actually not very confident because this was a hard one to think of an inspirational quote for. Mm. When I think, think when I say think, I mean steal someone else's. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, I went down the compassion route. You, you tried empathy, and uh, mine was very like, I don't know, too mushy. Too the compassion one was just too on the nose as well. Yeah. Okay. So that is exactly what mine is. Okay. Mushy on the nose. Load of shit. Here we go. Okay. Sometimes being understanding is more important than being right. Sometimes we need not a brilliant mind that speaks, but a patient heart that listens. Not keen eyes that always see faults, but open arms that accept. Not a finger that points out mistakes, but gentle hands that lead. I know that is mushy, but I think what I liked about that is that it's, it's basically just saying that this PhD supervisor student relationship is all about being open remembering our humanity when we like engage with each other and just being understanding and compassionate basically yeah because we all come away from those supervisor meetings or had an email from our supervisors and gone oh for god's sake they didn't even do this or they didn't do that or they didn't and and wagging that finger and and having that yeah yeah exactly exactly i wish everyone i wish this was visual molly did this weird ass face and started wagging her finger that was just for you but i'm glad yeah it was nice i enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) and um and yeah and we just i don't know just remember that actually would like i don't know be kinder to them yeah and there's so much more going on isn't there i think that's what i've actually loved about doing this episode because I guess I sort of, if I sit down and think about it, I know this stuff, but actually hearing it from supervisors who are having these challenges and who are really in this, yeah. who are really in this to make students' lives better and easier. And yet we're not always that So empathetic with them? Yeah. And passionate? We expect it from them, but we don't necessarily give well, it to us. Let's be honest, everything that we talk about, every struggle that we go through as an individual, everything, every struggle that I go through, every struggle that you go through, and you as listeners... The, P, the the supervisor would have gone through that. Yeah, and we talk, is going and through is going that. that. We talk about containers and then being full and then, like, our mental health dives. Like, let's be honest, our supervisor will be having that same thing. Yeah. They'll be having life issues, like, life problems that come at them, like, whenever they want it least, you know? Yeah. All the stuff that we go through, they go through. And I just... It's good to remind yourself of that. It is. My quote then. <laughs> Go on, man. No, I don't actually like mine. I, I literally... You I settled every week. Um, I don't know. I just don't... I think quotes... I think I like the idea of quotes, but I do think... I don't know if I just think they're just too, always too cringe. Anyway. No one can... No one can whistle a symphony. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> Oh my god, someone open a window. I don't feel safe. Can you hear that? I don't feel comfortable. That was funny. This is not a safe working environment. No one can whistle a symphony. <laughs> a symphony? I need some my tongue come out. No one can whistle a symphony. It takes a whole orchestra to play. La 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 la. This means stupid genius. Come hang out with us 
on Instagram. Should We're always there. Underscore pod. We've enjoyed you hanging out. Why am I saying hanging out? <laughs> hanging, hanging out. out. Hanging out. Thanks for hanging out with us. We Bye. enjoyed it. Goodbye.